Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Thursday, July 7th. I'm sorry, Friday, July 7th, 2017. <laughs> Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're starting on page 64, the third paragraph, which begins resentment is the number one offender. We're reading that for context. We'll read through three paragraphs, including the paragraph on our grudge list, through the graph that shows the inventory, ending with pride, personal, sex relations, and security. Today's readers are Matt M. for the 12 Steps, Talia K., for the 12 Traditions, Lynette P., Linda D., and Stephanie L. The reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting is 10126. The reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting, Friday, July 7th, is 10128. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 steps. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from New Jersey, Pulse Overeater. Here are the 12 steps to adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admit it, we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and came willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when I do so or injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me service. Thank you, Matt M. Now, Tala Kay will read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. This is Tala Kay from Boston, compulsive overeater, grateful for today. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group but has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And I pass. Thank you, Tala Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that we keep you, you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. On page 64, the third paragraph, starting with resentment, is the number one offender. We'll read that paragraph for context only and continue on through three paragraphs, ending with the graph for the four-step inventory, 
that ends with pride, personal, sex relations, and security. I will ask Lynette P. to begin reading. Good morning. I'm Lynette P., recovered in Southern California. Can you hear me okay? Yes, just fine. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? We were usually as definite as this example. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown, his attention to my wife, told my wife of my mistress. Brown may get my, Brown may get my job at the office, and those were the causes. Affects my sex relations, self-esteem, fear, security. Mrs. Jones, she's a nut. She snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend. She's a gossip. Personal relationship, self-esteem, fear. My employer, unreasonable, unjust, overbearing, threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. Affects my self-esteem, fear, security. My wife, misunderstands and nags, likes Brown, wants house put in her name, and that affects my pride, personal sex relations, security, and fear. So what the directions mean to me, um, there's so much in those two sentences above the, um, the chart. Um, a grudge, you know, I looked it up just to, just to make sure I was talking about the right thing. Uh, a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. I think a great description. So I learned that if thinking about things that I put on my list, those items, if that results in some kind of an emotional reaction or physical feeling, typically negative, nothing not positive, then I'm to put them on the list. They need to be there. And then injury, such um, an apropos word, I think it's so um, uh, glad that they put it on here because I was injured, even if it was self-induced, which was often the case in one way or another by getting the ball rolling or uh, my participation. Um, so for the first few months, um, no, I should say a few months ago for the first time, um, with the guidance of my step guide, I used this method um, for a thorough inventory. Uh, I had used it a brief, briefly in the past, maybe for a 10-step, but never for a full four-step. I used other methods. But I found this very effective, and it helped. Um, and with immediate benefits. So I'm very grateful for these instructions. Um, I think these instructions are specific in how I go about this process. And the areas in which I'm affected are spot on for me. <laughs> for me, fear underlies almost everything. Um, resentment, anger, fear, I'm sorry, hurt, 
and then, uh, of course, fear under, for me underneath all of those. And it's involved in my reactions and my feelings. And I think adding another column, because um, I did the forms, uh, where it, it asks is, is any fear involved is helpful because, um, of course, fear is, is uh, in parentheses in some areas here. So, um, so for me, I'm, I'm glad for those instructions that we also look at the fear. I know that security for me could be, or anybody could be, financial or emotional security and or my safety. Ambitions, um, you know, are, are my goals, what I want out of life. For me, this process was a great way to thoroughly um, but succinctly, you know, uncover what was still hanging around and how it affected me. So when I, still when I do a 10-step, I use, if it's a, if, if needed, I'll use the step four-step form because I like how definite and thorough it is. So um, these instructions, they describe that beginning process of action to after we've taken the first step of unblocking and clearing up, freeing myself. It's very liberating, I think. And taking responsibility, you know, being accountable growing up and just having that deeper connection with my higher power. And that did happen for me. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Lynette P. So we're going to open the line to begin sharing on this. And who would like to comment on what was read? I'm sorry, was that Glenn P? Okay. Ginger C. Ginger C. Anybody else? Leah TB. Was that Leah? I heard Kathleen O. Was that Leah TD? Yes. Thank you. And one more? I heard Melissa C. And one other person? Charlene. Charlene and one other person, please. (laughs) Alexis H. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So I've got Glenn P., and please correct me if I've gotten your name wrong. <laughs> Glenn P., Ginger C., uh, Liat uh, D., Kathleen O., Melissa C., Charlene, and um, was it Alexa H.? Okay. So we're going to start with Glenn P., and it was a little um, uh, difficult to hear you, so if you could speak up, that would be great. Okay, well, this is Len P. from sunny South, Southern California. Thank you, Len. Um, okay, and it's with an L. Yes, um, well, this really addresses, you know, the root of um, step four, and it says resentment is our number one offender. And, you know, to go back a little bit um, of why that would be our number one offender for me is because, you know, you didn't follow my script. You know, I wanted to be the director of the play. And usually it, my resentment was born out of some self-centeredness uh, and some character defect that suggested that, you know, you should have done it my way. If you would have done it, if you would have just done it my way, don't you see how much more efficient that would have been? Or don't you see how how much better it would have been if you just sort of followed my script for how something should go down? You know, resentment being our number one offender, you know, um, 
know, I can't tell you how much time I wasted, you know, planning the, you know, the, you know, uh, untimely deaths of people who didn't follow my script in my mind, you know, and how much horrible negative energy that produced and how it robbed me of my serenity of the now. You know, today in recovery, I don't have to burden myself with one playing God, you know, of, you know, understanding that people, places, and things are completely out of my control. And the only thing I can control is how I react to a situation. And because I have that peace of mind now in recovery, um, I can enjoy my day. I can enjoy my day not worrying about what people, places, and things do. You know, I could go through the columns and, you know, when I'm agitated, go through this formalized, you know, structured way of looking at why I'm um, troubled, why I have this angst feeling. And usually it's, uh, it has to do with, you know, one of these character traits or character defects that is, quote, unquote, being offended or being touched on. You know, it's striking a nerve with me. But in recovery, I, I pray for those character defects to go away. And I first have to be aware of them. So I have to be awake to them and identify them. And I identify them through these um, columns. And we haven't got yet to the fourth column, which is the critical column uh, in our reading. But, you know, it's to look at my part. What is my part in this uh, resentment? And usually it comes out to some self-centeredness. And the root of that usually is a fear, a fear that you don't like me, a fear that you think poorly of me, a fear that you're going to take something away from me. And when I understand those things and look at it on paper and really understand it and immediately get rid of it through a 10-step, like was earlier mentioned, um, my days, my days uh, are much better. And I don't have to be planning your untimely death because you didn't follow my script. So with that, all pins. Thank you. Thank you, Len. Okay. Um, Ginger C., you're up next, followed by Liat C. Hi. Good morning. Yes, sorry. I was trying to unmute. <laughs> That's okay. This is Ginger good C. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for everyone who's on the line this meet, uh, today making this meeting possible. Um, Ginger C. recovered in Colorado. And I just love this work that we're so privileged to be able to do because as an addict, we learned early on that we lack power. And the only defense between me and my next bite is this higher power. So we've heard over and over, you know, if I'm blocked, that power is not coming through me and that power is not going to protect me. And so we are so privileged to be in 12-step work where we get to do this daily reprieve so we get to keep that power alive and strong. You know, and I love, again, on page 77, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. You know, that's what we're doing each and every day. But I'm a human being. I'm doing this imperfectly. I have human emotions. They build. My coworker upsets me. And then I get to get disturbed by that situation and then take action around it. I go to God, and then I go to another human being and talk about it, and I make amends if I have to, and I take accountability, and then I get into service and think of somebody else. You know, so I love this work, and I love the fourth step, and I hear a lot of people balking about it. They don't like it. They don't want to do it. 
you know, what's our choice? We only have two doors. Lock this out to the best of our ability or to accept the spiritual help. And the truth will set you free. You know, the fourth step is freedom. I'm not here doing this work each and every day to feel better. I don't come to meetings to feel better. I come here to do better, to do better for God and for you. You know, and again, we're just so privileged to have this ability to see the truth because I lie, cheat, and steal. I'm an addict. That's my makeup. You know, it's only the grace of God that I show up in this new way. And it's only from working these steps quickly. Um, That's another thing, you know, with uh, sponsees, I give them two weeks maximum to do their fourth step. I really want it done in a week's time because you don't have time. You have to get through these steps in order to get that power between you and that next bite. So I just encourage anyone that's hanging out, you know, get into this and get into this like your life depends on it because the changes are miraculous, unbelievable, the things you can go through. I never thought I could go through life without an addiction. It was too painful, it was too hard, and I was too afraid. And now because I have this power in me, I just trust and rely on it. And I'm not only going through life, I'm growing through life. I'm growing with God daily. So I'm just so grateful to be out of this food nightmare and so grateful we're all here today. Thank you. Thank you, Ginger C. Liat T, followed by Kathleen O. Good morning, everyone. My name is Liat CD, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful. Thank you all, amazing people, beautiful children, <laughs> my friends and sisters. Um, I love what was shared so far, and I relate so much, you know, and I love the instructions in the book. It's so simple. I always complicated things. I really thought that I need to do something really hard to change me. I thought somehow I need to really get this. And I'm thankful for Joe and Charlie. They also explained to me in an even more simpler way of what this whole thing is about and that I need to take this story out of this inventory. I lived in this story. I lived in my story, who that which was not true anyways. But it talks on the third column, points out my basic instinct, which I was born with. And I was born with, I, I, you know, we need self-esteem so we can feel comfortable in this world, relationships with people, security. These are basic instincts that we were given. And the problem with me, who was born overly sensitive and overreactive, my barometer to those basic instincts just blow up. I mean, smoke comes out when something happens to me. Someone says something to me, I lose, there's no self-esteem. There's, I am out, and I need to identify. It was so wonderful to identify what, you know, in my basic instinct, what was affected. How, how am I affected? Oh, my gosh, I feel like a rug. I feel like, a, you know, that's, you know, this is affecting my relationship with those people. So to look at myself as a human being and identify where, you know, my basic instinct, the gift that I was given to begin with as a human being, are, were wounded. You know, and then, you know, I love the next two columns, you know, which help me identify my part, but I'm not going to go there. So, um, 
this is such a wonderful, as we said, this is very easy. It's just a matter of doing it and looking at it as a list. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I make a list, top to bottom at this point. I just make the list, you know, this guy, that guy, this institution, this, these principles um, affect, you know, I feel uh, pain around them. And I just put it as a list. I don't think much about it. I just, you know, and then uh, I continue on to the next, just very systematic, very automatic without a lot of emotions involved. This changed my life. It freed me, like the previous person said. I'm a free woman for over 17 years from food addiction and overweight issues and beyond, way beyond that, too. So um, I love you all. It works. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Leah T. D. And Kathleen O., you're up next, followed by Melissa C. Thank you, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Kathleen O., recovered in California, and so grateful to be on this live meeting this morning. So resentment is our number one offender. And, you know, I always thought food was my problem, but it really wasn't. It was this buildup of resentment. Um, you know, I just piled them higher and higher and higher, and I had this big wall, which, oh, sorry. I apologize. Um, so I, they, you know, they just built up and built up and built up, and um, and that was what was blocking me from the sun, the sunlight of the spirit. And I needed to get this, um, you know, have this spiritual program of action so that I could rid myself of these causes and conditions because the causes and conditions were what was, you know, making me fat and miserable. Bottom line. So I love this, the way that they lay this out in the big book. It is so simple. Um, you know, all I need to do is write down my resentment, what it causes, you know, how, you know, what it's affecting. Um, and I find that, you know, most of my resentments are caused, the causes and conditions are my selfishness, my self-centeredness, um, and my fears. You know, they're all based on that. So if I'm going through, if when I'm going throughout the day, I'll sometimes have food thoughts and I'll think, okay, why am I having this food thought? And usually it's something based on fear. I have a resentment against something someone said or did because it's making me feel less than, and that's one of my fears. And so all I have to do is write it out and, you know, keep it simple. I'm resentful of this person. You know, they said something that offended me or you know, the fear is that other people are going to think I'm not good enough or they're going to not think I'm good enough. And I can just turn this over to, you know, my higher power. And and it really does give me freedom. It it, it makes the way I think, um, I think better thoughts. I'm happier. I act differently to people. I'm kinder. I'm more patient. I'm more tolerant. And I happily don't eat. So, you know, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Melissa C., you're up next, followed by Charlene. And I thought I heard Melissa C. in there. I could be wrong. <laughs> I guess I was. 
So, Charlene, may we have the first initial of your last name before you share, please? It's uh, P, Charmaine P. Charmaine, thank you. Uh Please go ahead. Okay. Uh, With my resentment, um, the number one offender, resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Boy, I just, I tell you, um, it's it's been really hard with um, the resentment I've been holding for years. I think I've had my resentment since I've, I've known very young. I was abandoned at six months by my mother. And um, later on, meeting her in life and just her unconcern and just, it just crushed me because I'm like, um, I'm really resentful. I really feel rejected and abandoned. And then for her to be sarcastic and just insensitive about my needs, it really affected my um, my self-esteem. My security was affected because she doesn't know where I've been living and um, in and out of um, foster homes and moving around a thousand times. And it's just... Um, we don't have a relationship, really. Uh, she doesn't want to talk about the past while she left. And I'm just really asking God to help me get over this resentment. I've even heard myself say I hate her. And, um, you know, some people scolded me about that. But I really did feel that in my heart in one moment. And I'm really praying that my higher power helps me get over it because I'm like, how can she be, you know, unless she has a mental illness, you know, and that came across my mind that maybe, you know, she has some issues that she is just not there like she needs to be and um, and have a normal mind. But um, I'm really hoping to get over my resentment of her. I stuffed a lot of food in me to deal with uh, numbing the pain. And that, you know, I felt so ugly about myself. And that doesn't help. You know, at one point I wanted to die. Um, but all those things, they don't, it just, I need a spiritual awakening and I really hope doing these steps and, um, working with this program will help bring me through in another program. I'm writing out my fourth step. So, um, another 12 step proof program. So I'm really hoping that, um, I can really get the gist of it. I'm, I'm exhausted. I want so much desperately to have a relationship with my higher power. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Charmaine P. The next I have either Alex or Alexia, and I may have gotten your name wrong. I'm so sorry. Could you please correct me um, as you begin to share? Alexa yeah, H. Okay. This is Alexis H. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Alexis. Please go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a compulsive eater in Oregon. And before I came into program, um, the way I dealt with life and the way that I processed emotion was to kind of like go over things over and over and over again. That's the only way I knew how to deal with things. So so I would have an experience and think about it and kind of like fester or ruminate and then, you know, go about my business. And then it would come up again and I would think about it and process it some more. And that was... Um, ultimately, you know, it didn't work. I would just keep the story and keep refeeling the feelings, but I never really dealt with anything or let go of things. And then ultimately I would reach for something outside of myself to get some sort of relief. What's different now is um, is that, you know, working the steps through the big book with a sponsor has taught me how to think through um, what's going on in my life 
in a really simple way so I can kind of get away from telling this story about what's going on. Stories are great and, and stories are important, um, especially like just as, as part of human culture. But in terms of processing and, and learning to like feel feelings, look at things objectively and let things go, they don't really it's outlined in the big book. And um, I guess, you know, it's a different way of life here now because when these things come up that bother me and I can lean for processing, what happens is I have a very clear way to just write down a name, write down what's bothering me, write down what it affects, pray about it, and continue to step through this process so that I can let things go. Um, and ultimately, you know, even though, yes, I still get caught up in disease at times, I'll, I'll feel restless, irritable, and discontent. The difference is now is that I have a spiritual solution. So when I feel that way and things come up, I now have, you know, um, I guess like a a toolkit that I can go to instead. And um, the last thing I just want to say is that one thing that jumped out at me is the sentence, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And my experience has been that when something's bothering me and I have that spiritual disease going on, that when I go to the solution, go to the spiritual solution, that other things straighten out just fine. So thank you, and I'm uh, glad to be on the line today. Bye. Thank you, Alexis H. We'll open up the line again for sharing. Who'd like to comment? Oh, and I'll, let me just, re- um, for those who joined us late, we read the third paragraph on page 64, starting with resentment as the number one offender. That paragraph was read for context only, and we read three paragraphs through the entire inventory example, ending with pride, personal, sex relations, and security. Who'd like to comment for three minutes on what we just read? Jeanette. Okay, I didn't catch any of those names. Laura, Terry KB, Melanie, Melanie C, Laura S, Jeanette, Terry KB, Christy G, Reggie O, Laura S. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. Um, I heard Sherry KB, Melanie C, uh, Laura S, Reggie. And, oh, I can't even read my writing on the last one. So I have room for one or two more. Jeanette. 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 Chrissy G. Chrissy G. All right. Okay. I think we'll have time. I know we have time for five and possibly six. So we'll start with Sherry KB. Please go ahead. Sherry KB. Okay. Maybe I'm going to Oh, here we go. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Sherry KB in Northern California, gratefully recovered compulsive eye reader. Thank you for your service. Uh, This is a great meeting. I love hearing about this. Um, Especially, these are the directions in the book of how to do a fourth step. And it's very clear and precise, which I love. And it helps me so much to stay out of my emotions, to stay just connected and guided in this book. And that's what happened for me. Um, I was given exactly this form, uh, but on a piece of paper, and it just helped me to look at where was I resentful, the cause, and the effect. And um, 
what we'll learn about next week, and I realize why it's exactly the way it should be, is there's an invisible column that's not listed here, but it is listed on page 67, and it helps us to see what our part is. And I have done so many four steps, but what I did is I wrote a story. That's what I did in the past when I did four steps, is I wrote a story. And this is getting to the facts, the, the, um, the causes, and, um, and how it affects my life. And I do know with, with writing down my resentments, um, it helps me to get them on paper. And, and just briefly, like a table of contents, in other words, like for me, I remember a particular date that a lot of things happened. And all I did was write down that date. I just wrote down, you know, June 11, 2014. I know exactly what happened and what went on. And what I believe, and this is just my own experience, is that my higher power knows every nook and cranny in my life. And all I have to do is write down like a table of content. um, And my higher power is getting in there as I'm writing the stuff down from head to pen to paper. It's getting it out. And so my higher power is erasing that all out for me. And if I don't do this work and I get emotional buildup, I will be back in the food. And so what I ask myself is do I want to stay in resentment and be face down in the food or do I want to do this work, get unblocked, use this skill set and stay connected to a power greater than myself so that I can be useful and, and go on. And how free do I want to be? That's what I kept asking myself through the entire inventory. How free do I want to be? And just the facts, ma'am. I just stick with the facts. And as I mentioned yesterday, if you look at these columns, the total amount of words that are used in the cause, the first, Mr. Brown, is 19 words, Mrs. Jones is 18, and my employer is 14, and my wife is 11. And so just keeping it brief, and that's why we can do this work um, on the fourth step in a short amount of time. And, um, And having my higher power with me, and somebody suggested to me that as I was writing down the people's names when I did my inventory, was to pray for each one of them as I wrote them down. And we have three inventories here. Um, We have a resentment inventory, we have a fear inventory, and we have a sex conduct inventory. And without a higher power, I couldn't do this. And without you guys, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Melanie C., you're up next, followed by Laura S. Thanks. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. My name is... Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. And um, what I'm looking at here is to reconcile myself with um, where I was at and where I'm going because I have a spiritual malady. And um, through this process, I'm going to be awakened to exactly the nature of that spiritual malady. I'm going to identify that. That's a huge undertaking for Melanie C. Here, I'll tell you that. What I was... um, able to to do easily is to find out or tell you exactly who I was mad about on the list was pretty pretty clear and extensive and I love the idea to be able to tell you exactly why I was mad the third column is where I did my real work the real work around um, uh, what I'd heard over and over and over again from people was just to check off in in these little words self-esteem pocketbook ambitions but I didn't know what they meant I didn't know what self-esteem meant. I came in straight away and said my self-esteem was low because I'm the victim. I'm the big victim. So when I was taught by somebody else that this is um, this third column is about um, uh, how I see myself, the areas it affects, 
when I'm in this situation. And what am I when I'm in this situation? Well, the big book tells me I'm selfish and self-centered. So the self-esteem is my stage character. I got my shoulders square. By God, you're not going to get into me. What role have I assigned myself in that self-esteem? I'm going to know how I'm going to be acting when I'm an addict. Same one with pocketbooks. It relates to my finances. This is going to screw around with my finances. Um, am I trying to manipulate this situation where maybe I'm not going to get the job that I want or I'm going to lose what I have? And that it was very helpful to know that. And then the ambitions. What do I want out of this scene? What am I wanting out of this situation right here? Is it affecting those ambitions? And I'm manipulative. I'm self-centered. I'm going to be able to tell you exactly what it is. It wasn't really good for me. I mean, eventually I could just check off, check off, but I needed to know what that meant when I was in my ism, how I was going to be, because I'm going to find out exactly who and what I am and how I behave at this particular center turning junction. And then, of course, that went on to personal relationships. What is this? What is what I think this relationship really should be like? And if you can imagine being selfish and self-centered, I had a whole new agenda before I got into this tangle in this particular resentment with this person. And, of course, then it goes on with my sex relations as well. It was so helpful for me um, because when I look at them face value, I had a whole different idea about sex relations. I had to figure out that something new there. Um, in terms of personal relationships, I had never, ever had any moments of reflecting on anybody else but myself. So there was no coming together in terms of personal relationships. And as you can imagine, 50 some odd years, five decades of um, deciding that I was the one that was hurt or harmed and that everything out here was causing my trouble. I wasn't processing things correctly through my mind. So I didn't even have a good idea about what personal relationships would be. That was really helpful for me. I hear a lot on the, um, around. Oh, thank you. That's it. Okay, I'll save the rest for another time. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Melody C. Uh, Laura S., followed by Reggio. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Laura S. I'm a recovering uh, food addict. Um, I'm in the middle of my fourth cup. Uh, it's my first fourth step in OA. Um, well, my second one. But um, I'm in other programs, 12-step programs, and I made a lot of fourth steps, but it was different formats. And every time I try to cut some uh, slicks to myself, I'm a therapist. So, uh, you know, okay, I, I understand you have resentment to, to, to your father because uh, he raped you when you were blah, 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 blah. And if you're it is fault if now you are acting this way or not. It is not. Uh, the past is the past. I was a victim. Now I've got the choice to change my behavior. And it's not because I think about what happened in the past that I've got excuses and to rationalize and to uh, get into food as a comfort. It's not healthy. So my uh, sponsor, in a way, uh, she does want to, to cut slacks, and tonight I'm going to see her and do my fifth step about resentment. And I have been so nervous and so miserable all uh, all week, but um, it's like I take a scrub, and you know, inside of myself, I scratch, scratch, and uh, and I realize that I've got very, very little uh, good reasons to be righteous. 
um, my only problem is to set down boundaries because accepting and forgiving is one thing. In the future, and it's my responsibility also as well, I have to set boundaries to others who can be intrusive or manipulative or I have to protect my recovery to put it first. And um, as a therapist myself I, uh, and a sponsor myself in other 12-step programs, um, some people come to me, my sponsors, and say, I, do, I have no resentment for everybody. I love everybody. And so when it's an early recovery, I try not to build them up. But uh, they have re- resentment, and they're still acting on it. Uh, after seven years in sobriety, I was punching faces of men on the street because I didn't like their attitude. Uh, I didn't like their disrespect for a woman. I mean, whoa. And um, so restriction of pen and tone, but also to see the columns, what are affected in my ambition and my self-centeredness, it makes it's really no mercy in OA for step. And I like it. I needed it. I am a medic. I need discipline. And uh, for those who I've got resentment again, um, whether That's I forgive time. or thank you, or I uh, just uh, consider them spiritually sick. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much. So we have Reggio, Janet, and Chrissy G. We have about five minutes left. So if you want to share more briefly so there's more time for others, um, that would be fine. But you you do have a three-minute allotment, so we'll fit in what we can. Reggio, followed by Janet, please. Hey, thank you, Elaine, so much for your service this morning and everybody on the line. I'm Reggio, gratefully recovered compulsive eater in the Los Angeles area. And, uh, you know, the, the I've, I've worked the steps multiple times over the course of my time and program and uh but I you know reading the reading the inventory aspect here has been really different for me this time uh, well the time before when I worked went through it in vision and now but you know it, it's important for me to remember that first you know I've done the first three steps before I get here that I'm powerless over compulsive eating and that my life has become unmanageable. And I think the inventory certainly speaks to the unmanageability of my life. And then I've I've come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And then I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of that power and and am ready to, uh, as the wording of the book says, abandon myself utterly to God. So God's going to take care of me through this process. And then, you know, and then I get down to it. Uh, You know, there's no fooling around. But what's very different for me this, you know, this time in vision is the fact-finding, fact-facing process. You know, when I, when I looked at this before and I, you know, I've read that lightly before but when I've looked at it and think are you kidding you know I'm going to write down all of this stuff in my life and this is like fact finding fact facing when it's you know impacted my life so great greatly but you know it, it's uh it's about getting rid of what doesn't work what's blocked me from the God that I want to abandon myself to the God that you know the power the power in myself that can solve all my problems and you know resentment being the number one offender whether I was actually harmed by some, you know, someone or some institution, you know, yeah, it's probably, it does happen to all of us. But if I'm holding that resentment, you know, I'm, if I'm holding that resentment, it's not doing me or anyone else any good. 
And so looking at it so simply, just simply allows me to get to the, you know, the causes and conditions. And as, you know, someone said on the line before, God's taking care of the rest. I don't, you know, I don't have to get into an emotional story. I don't have to go into detail because God is handling all of that. And that has just been such a, uh, such a beautiful relief uh, and I feel so much gratitude for that, you know, and here we're certainly looking about how we're affected. And then we get to do, you know, the power, the power part of it, which is look at how we, you know, look at how we were at fault. And, uh, and, and so we can be rid of this with God's help. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggio. Janet, you're up next. I'm Jeanette, a compulsive, a recovering compulsive overeater from Southern California. And the first initial of your last name, Jeanette, please. Oh, G. Sorry. Jeanette G. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I love um, 64 and 65. It's my most favorite um, part of the big book, especially when I work with sponsees. And, you know, at 10 years of age, um, I was mentally and physically ill. And um, I did not realize that, but my body obsession and my thoughts that if only I didn't feel different and look different because I was – my body was changing with puberty, and then I, everything was still peaceful. And so when I was 25 and I came in and I started working the steps, and um, I was at actually a marathon, um, a holiday marathon um, meeting, and the speaker from the podium really focused on the third or that last paragraph on page 64 about um, the resentment being the number one offender and the spiritual malady, it just hit home. I had that spiritual shift where I'm like, oh, you know, by the time I hit program, I had been dieting and body obsessed for a good 15 years and trying to control my spiritual dis-ease with, um, with figuring out things in my mental, because if I can figure out the equation A plus B equals perfect peace always, then I will be okay. Or if I can get the right diet, the right body size, the right number in the clothes, whatever. And so coming here and going, oh, okay, I'm spiritually, let's, let's, let's try this different. And then continuing into, oh, of course, you know, I'm not a bad person because I have resentments. I'm a human being who has a disease and that um, directions as like, okay, you're going to have resentment, so let's put it down and let's figure it out. And it's just such a miracle that, you know, when we um, focus on our spiritual healing and connecting to God, that everything else does um, fall into place. So I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so sorry, Chrissy G. We need to close the meeting now, so there's no time for you to share, but hope to hear from you in the future. And... um, Thank you to everybody who has shared. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Stephanie L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. It would be my pleasure. This is Stephanie L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.